1: Yes, indeed, it is the Fret Files podcast. My name is Eric Daw. Consider me your uh, personal guitar scientist with a quarter century of experience. How is that possible? Building and repairing guitars. This is a podcast about all things guitar. Guitar science. The physicality of guitars. Their problems. Their nuances. Their solutions. Could you believe that we could fill a hundred episodes of this nonsense? I can't. How does it keep going... I don't know. Sitting beside me is my lovely wife and co-host, Melissa.
2: Greetings. I will read the listener-submitted questions, and Eric will try to answer them the best he can, drawing on his experience as a professional luthier.
1: Professional what?
2: Luthier. I.
1: You know, I just don't like that word. Luthier. Um. We Not only are we going to have listener-submitted emails, but uh, we have a call as well. Only one, but hey, one call is better than none. I'll, Agreed. I'll take it. Uh, you know, the big news around here mm-hmm. is that uh, I might—I might actually get caught up. Wow. Well, the phone—the <laughs> the phone stopped ringing,
2: and that's okay.
1: And that's okay. Uh, I've had to, you know, I've had to close my repair shop to customers because in Idaho, as in many states, there is a statewide shutdown of non-essential businesses due to the COVID-19 virus outbreak. I swear we're not going to talk about this much. This is your escape from all that nonsense. But I'm just telling you what's going on around here. I have no customers. That's what's going on around here. But um I have a whole bunch of guitars that I need to work on and get done and ship them out, uh, right? Um. UPS is still running, so I'm still shipping stuff out, and I'm happy to... You know, if you want to order pickups or pit guards or anything like that, I'm happy. Or a guitar. Think about that. A custom guitar mm-hmm. with, with your uh, federal stimulus money. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Um. Anyhow, UPS is... they They come right to my house, and they pick up the boxes, and then they take them away. They whisk them off into the ether where they go... Off to their destinations. And then, uh, you know, it's, uh, everybody's happy. Uh, anyway, um, I've been working on a few things. And, uh, you know, from the corner of my eye, I thought my wife had her hand up like she had a question.
2: I did. There's a, there's I did not.
1: A, well, there's a lamp behind you, a large floor lamp. And I thought she was <laughs> trying to interrupt my monologue here. And I thought, can can this wait? And and by the way, yes. why, why do you have your hand up? I don't. Uh, anyhow, I've been working on a few restorations lately and a few custom guitars and, uh, shipping those out. What, what have I been working on? A really cool little Gaia Tone. Oh, neat. Uh, You know, this guitar is so cute. There were some amazing guitar designs in Japan in the fifties. They really had a cool sense of design. uh, it's... I don't know if they made any any ugly guitars in my opinion. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people think that those guitars are ugly, but Japanese guitars of the 50s and 60s, wow, man. The designs are on point. Uh, especially the 50s stuff. They're so simple and beautiful. A lot of them uh remind me of like the early Harmony Stratotone, like that peanut mm-hmm. that peanut body Harmony mm-hmm. Stratotone. Oh, I love those. Oh, I need one of those so very badly. You know, maybe I'll, that's where I'll spend my stimulus money. Hmm? You never know. Um, what have you been working on, Melissa, in your leather workshop?
2: Uh, I've got... I just shipped out a custom strap today, and I've got another one on the bench this week. They're both surprises, so I don't want to go into oh, really? too much detail. Custom but, uh,
1: custom leather guitar straps. That is correct. Those are both surprises? The designs
2: are? Yeah, the designs are. Oh, I
1: didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool.
2: Huh. One of them is for a birthday present, but one of my customers just sent me money and said, make me something flipping awesome. Make
1: something rad.
2: And I said, do huh. you want to see sketches? And he said, no. And wow. I said, you're the best person in the world.
1: Don't you love that? That is so I cool. O- I occasionally get a um, a guitar order like that, where they give me like a vague, you know, like, hey, I want this shape and this color. But yeah. aside from that, man... Do me up a good guitar. Love that. Yeah, it's awesome. People, it's amazing how some people are really, really particular, and some people are just the absolute opposite of that. Interesting, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yep. Let's take a call, but before we do, would you believe <gasps> that we have a sponsor? We do? Mm-hmm. This episode of the Fret Files podcast is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters. Based in Waco, Texas, Apex Coffee Roasters searches the globe for the best coffee beans available, roasting them in house to unlock the natural aromas and flavors that make each cup an individual experience. Order Apex Coffee online. Fret Files listeners can use the promo code PINUP at checkout to receive 10% off from apexcoffeeroasters.com. The promo code is PINUP, P I N U P. That's apexcoffeeroasters.com. Hey, life happens. Coffee helps. ApexCoffeeRoasters.com. Let's take a call.
0: Hello, Eric and Melissa. This is Drew from Wisconsin. Uh, I had a question for the show. So, I got a guy who plays uh, Ibanez electric guitar set up by me um, with nine 942s. And he wants to start playing slide on it so i was curious about uh, your slide setup and if a guy brings you a guitar and you want you to set up for slide what you go for generally i know um you typically like to go for a almost edge straight neck or edge straight neck and i like that too but would you add more relief for a side back how much more you measure it in thousands of inches if you could Um, give me a number or a range. With the string height, how higher would you take that? Um, Say, for instance, 3.30 seconds at the low E and at the high. Is that good enough with more relief or would you take it even? Um, I'm planning on adding relief and adding string height, but just curious if you have any go-to numbers that you found work great for slide and especially since uh, I think you have experience with slide with your uh, theme song intro there. So
1: mm.
0: curious to what you do. All right. Thank you. Bye.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Well, I don't play slide on the intro, but I do play it on that outro song just a little bit. Yeah. No, I play, I play a fair amount of slide or at least uh, I have in the past. Um, I would do a few things. Uh, firstly, I recommend, um, a, a heavier string. Now, this doesn't work for everybody, and this can be tailored to your own personal tastes. There's plenty of people who play slide with nines, so it, it depends on the personal taste of the player. Um, but if it's somebody's kind of first time starting out playing slide, then here would be, uh, here would be my general recommendations. A little heavier string, so um, 11s is, would be what I would recommend generally, uh, if this player is used to nines, then maybe just go up to tens, you know. But this could all be dialed in. Um, I I typically still will set the truss rod the same way, you know. Um, you could put a t- just a touch more relief, but I wouldn't even worry about measuring it in thousands. I mean, I just, you know, I mean, maybe just a, like a, just a touch more Right? I mean, we don't have to get super, super detailed about it because, Mm -hmm. um, with slide, it depends on, it depends on how they're going to play. So uh, most people slide and fret notes. And so what you want to do is, uh, kind of optimize it for both. If you were just playing slide, you could have the action a mile high. It wouldn't matter. And you'd get nice, clean sound out of it because nothing would get in the way. Right, right, slide requires a, a light touch that's uh, what I've learned, and uh, a little higher action, so you know my standard action when I set up a guitar an electric guitar, I'm looking for and I measure this at the fourteenth fret this is this is my standard setup, not for slide my standard setup is a, a millimeter and a half on the high e string and then right about or just under 2 millimeters on the low string, and this is at the 14th fret, from the metal part of the fret to the bottom of the string. Okay? For slide, I'll take the high E maybe up to 2 millimeters, and the low E up to just, you know, just over 2 millimeters, right? And the other thing I can tell you is, with slide, the, the slide is flat, so typically you set up a guitar so that there's a radius to the strings. So the D and G strings are sitting, you know, higher than the outer strings, but it's all relative to the radius of the of the fingerboard. Well, for slide, I'll typically raise the outer strings and kind of leave the middle strings about where they are so that you have a flatter um from string to string a flatter radius, right? Mm -hmm. Because that slide is flat. Uh, So you end up with a little higher action on the outer strings and about the same in the middle, and then you can put just a touch more relief in the neck, and that's that's kind of my standard. I've worked on a lot of slide players' guitars who prefer it even higher, or I've worked on... um, There's slide players with such a light touch that they'll just play a normal setup guitar for, you know for fretting. So yeah. so a lot of it's personal preference. Um I would stick with a plain G string. Don't go to a wound when you go to a higher gauge. Uh because the wound wound that wound G doesn't work well with the slide I've found. The plain G works better. So uh was that it? That was his whole question, wasn't it? I think so. Thanks for the call, man. I hope that helps. Uh, Let's take some uh, Let's take some emails What do you say?
2: Okay, let's do it
1: Letters We get letters We get stacks and stacks
0: of letters
2: Hi, Eric and Mel Thanks for the podcast It's one of my favorites Eric, I've wired a lot of guitars, and I run into something occasionally that I don't understand. My question is about pickup leads or hookup wire. Some single-coil pickups have two wires going to the controls. Mm -hmm. Humbuckers can have four wires or two wires, Mm -hmm. but sometimes I see a pickup that has three wires. Mm -hmm. I don't fully understand that. Mm -hmm. Single-coil pickups with three wires? What is that about? Coil tapping? Grounding? What's the word? Thanks? That's from Jerry.
1: Thanks, Jerry. Uh, yeah, the, typically, n- now you mentioned coil tapping, and it 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 could be that, but that would be very rare. It's very rare to have a single coil pickup that has a an internal tap. I've seen it before, but it's, that's, I mean, we're talking about super rare. 99.9% of the time when you see a single coil pickup that has three conductors... One is a negative lead, one is a positive lead, and one is the ground, okay? And the ground is running basically to the metal part of the pickup, and uh, on, a, on a typical single coil, the negative lead is grounded to the metal part of the pickup, and then that is continued on as the negative lead. Or, there is no metal part of the pickup, as in a fender pickup, and there's just a a negative and a positive lead, right? But when you've got a pickup that has like a metal base plate or a metal cover or something like that, uh, that needs to be grounded. And you can either ground it just with the negative lead or you can ground it and it's basically a ground lift. You can run a separate ground wire from the metal part of the pickup all the way to the controls and ground it there. That enables you to reverse the phase of the pickup. That's why there's three wires. If there weren't three wires, when you went to reverse the phase of the pickup, if you had to, say you've got it, say you've hooked up, you've got a replacement pickup, you put it in the neck position, and then you try it, and it's out of phase with the other pickup, and you don't want that. So you have to switch the wires. If, uh, if the negative Lead of the pickup were hardwired to the metal part of the pickup. When you switched it, you would get loud hum because the metal part of the pickup would be hooked up to the positive side of the uh, uh, of the electronics. Right, it'd be hooked up to your switch or your pot, and that's bad. You'd get hum. So they do a ground lift. You'll have two pickup leads, and then the extra wire is a ground wire. Now, it's easy to figure this out with an meter. which is which the two leads that have uh, a reading across them, thats your that's your pickup wires, and then the third wire that has no reading, you know, no continuity between the other two wires, that's your ground wire. Or whichever wire has continuity from the metal part of the pickup to the to the wire. That's your ground. I hope this all makes sense. Mm-hmm. It sounds technical, but it's really not.
2: It makes sense to me. Does it? I guess so, except I don't know what coil, coil tapping is.
1: Well, coil tapping, so there's two kinds of coil tapping. You've got dual coil pickups, like a humbucker. There's mm-hmm. two coils, right? A coil tap turns off one coil. Oh, okay. Now you've got one coil working. So it it turns a humbucker into a single coil. Okay. Some ingenious pickup winders, and this is such a custom option. I mean, it's not... I don't think there's any off-the-shelf, like, Seymour Duncan that you can buy like this or anything like that. Um, But I had a pickup like this once that I had custom wound for me 15 years ago uh, from a guy up in Washington who who was making pickups. A single coil pickup where they wind it up, Mm -hmm. they stop... And they solder a lead wire there. And then they wind it some more. And then finish it off at another wire. So you've basically got um, two different outputs on the same pickup. And depending on which hot wire you use, you can switch back and forth between a lower uh, resistance pickup and a higher resistance pickup.
2: So it's not something you can do like aftermarket.
1: I mean, you could if you were an evil scientist like me, but uh, <laughs> it's not the it's not the kind of thing that your average you know yeah. weekend soldering iron kind of guy, pickup swapping guy, is going to do. Right. It would be so unusual. It's it does happen, and that's the only reason I mention it. it, it you'll sometimes see a single coil that has a, an internal coil tap. It's so rare. You'll you'll let me back up. You'll probably never ever see that. I've seen it like two or three times and I've probably handled a million pickups. Cool. So, there you go.
2: Very interesting. Thanks, Jerry. Greetings, Eric. My question to you is where did you learn your craft? I'm a little older, 44. Ha. Huh? I have Hey, I'm 44. <laughs> I have a bachelor's degree, but I don't use it in the corporate sense. I believe there is a need for this. I believe I have the skills for it. What advice do you have for someone like me? I'm largely an artist, among other things. When a project demands little to no error, some insight and wisdom is going to be the key. Thank you. That's from Matt. And then in parentheses, it says Electro.
1: Matt Electro. Matt, uh, where did I learn my craft? Um I'm sure I've talked about this on the show before. Everywhere I possibly could, I I got every book I could find on the subject. I talked to people that, um, that had experience. Uh, I apprenticed at a at a repair shop for several years. This was this is in the nineties. Um, every time I, you know, a lot of, a lot of it is self education from experience, right? And nothing beats that. I mean, you can start out on. You know, find a cheap guitar and buy it and uh, fix it up. Right? That's that's one that's one good way to learn some valuable lessons. But um, if I were starting out now, I, I tell you what, man, a resource that I didn't have that that you have available now uh, is the internet, and it's huge. I mean, there you just cannot believe the repair guitar repair videos that are available for free on YouTube, you could watch it 24-7 from now to the day you die and probably never watch them all. I mean, there's a million. You have to take some of them with a grain of salt because sometimes it's a, a guy who's not really a pro and he's just showing you his weird, you know, backyard duct tape and barbed wire way of things, doing things, right? So sometimes it's not Sometimes it's not good advice but a lot of it is there's there's a lot of really good YouTube re- repair videos and that's a good way to learn you can order books and DVDs from Stuart McDonald um you can uh y- you know if if you've got people in your area that are willing to take on an apprentice I know that that happens I mean I don't know what else can I say man you there are luthier schools You could certainly do that. Uh, I wouldn't. I don't have any particular one that I recommend over any other, so I won't even mention any of them. But um, you could seek those out. Maybe there's even one in your area. Uh, He didn't say where he's from, Mm -hmm. did he? No, Matt. That's uh, that's about all I have to say, though. Thanks, man.
2: Thanks, Matt. Hello, Eric and Melissa. Congratulations on 100 episodes. Thank you. What a milestone. Thanks so much for keeping it up. Two questions for you. Number one, I think you may have answered this already, but do you have a preferred wire you like to work with for wiring electronics? I believe you're a vintage cloth covered guy. What gauge do you like? I've been looking at Stumac non-shielded hookup wire. I like that it is pre-tinned, multi-strand, and has pushback insulation, and the reviews say it's rigid enough to bend and stay where you want it. It's a little pricey at fifty-three dollars for a one hundred foot roll, yeah. but it would last it would likely last a very long time. Thoughts?
1: That's expensive. <clears throat> uh yeah. So I, yeah, I use 22 AWG, just like everybody else, 22 American wire gauge uh, for hookup wire. Um, it's stranded. The stuff I get, I get it from all parts, and it's a fraction of the cost that you're talking about. It is not pre-tinned, but I don't find that that really moves any meter in my life. I, it, pre-tinned is, is nice. It's kind of nice, but uh, it's not a deal-breaker, and I think, I mean... I'd have to look but i I think I get twenty five feet of wire from from all parts for something like six dollars
2: whoa that's a lot so cheaper
1: what's six times four Melissa's a math whiz. she's
2: twenty four <laughs> yeah oh, so yeah. that's
1: half the price uh but if if the pretend thing really floats your boat, then you could certainly do that um and it is nice when I, when I get pretend wire. Sometimes I get it. And uh, it is very nice, but that's what I, that's what I use. I use the, uh, the all-parts wire. And uh, they haven't had the... See, I want to buy the 100-foot rolls, and they haven't had them in stock lately. Not, not for a really long time.
2: They're not even open right now.
1: They're open. They're just not shipping anything like a lot of businesses right now. Yeah, we said we weren't going to talk about this oh, sorry. depressing sorry. stuff. They'll they'll reopen. It'll be Everything fine. will be back to normal here in just a before you know it.
2: Just a jiffy. Just a
1: few short years.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Question two. I recently had a customer with the ninety nine Guild Starfire three. Fantastic guitar. Hmm. It has a cast bridge saddle, so there is no way to intonate the strings individually. I suggested getting a tunematic style bridge. He agreed. We ordered one, and when it came in, it was simply too high. Hmm. I would have sanded down the bottom of the bridge saddle, but if I took that approach, we would be left with very little wood. We abandoned the project for now and the guitar is back in the customer's hands. My current hope is that we can use the existing original metal low profile base plate, then simply find a tunematic bridge piece, but the spacing of the bridge posts is 70 millimeters, not 73.5 millimeters or 73.66 millimeters like most Gibsons. Do you know where I could find a 70 millimeter post spaced tunematic bridge? Or do you know of another compensated floating bridge that would allow me to get a string height of .75 inches above the body? Philadelphia Luthier Supplies and Stumac both stated they don't have an existing drop-in solution for me. Guild never responded to my question. Help me, Eric Daw. You're my only hope. Love to you and yours. That's from Dave.
1: Thank you, Dave. Um, geez, you're not going to like my answer here. Well, first of all, there there might be one. There might be a 70 millimeter spaced pneumatic, but uh, I you know it's going to be some weird off brand thing. Um, gosh, unless um, maybe somebody out there knows about a 70 millimeter spaced thing, but if you do, give me a shout. But not off the top of my head, I just don't know. But here's my here's my thing. Here's my thinking. Call me crazy, but I actually really like those cast one-piece bridges. Yes, they're pre-intonated, but if you intonate them correctly, you'll rarely have any kind of problem unless you unless you've just got a guy using like a wound third string or or if it's just not intonated correctly. But the but the cast bridges I've found. That they actually work pretty well. Um, the uh, the thing about it, uh, well, what I do is I intonate the A string and the B string to be perfectly in tune, and then that way you're only one string away from being perfectly in tune. I've talked about that on the show before. But the thing about those one-piece saddles, the one-piece cast bridges, is there's no moving parts. With a tunematic, you've got all those moving parts, and that can um, translate to, if it's like most of them are, like so many of them are, sloppy fit, that absorbs string energy. Y- you don't want that. I, I actually think the cast one-piece thing is a is super hip. It's cool, and it's less prone to absorbing string energy. Now, if you don't like that answer, here's another option. Um, I think Bigsby makes a bridge that uh, has a base... That's one of those, like the thin metal base, like you're talking about, um, that has tunematic spacing. So if you really want a tunematic, you can get the bridge base from, uh, those, those Bigsby. Bigsby makes one. It's a metal base with posts, and then they've got, they've got their thing sitting on top of there. But I might be wrong about that. You'll have to look at the post spacing. I just, I'm pretty sure I've, Swapped those out for tunematics before, but I could be wrong. I don't remember off the top of my head. I just don't know. Let's take a little break, and we'll be right back after this.
2: Hey, guitar nerds. You probably already know that I make custom leather guitar straps. All of my straps are handcrafted from design all the way to completion. You can see examples of my past work on my Instagram account that's at Melco leather. Visit melcoleather.com now to get free shipping on orders of $35 or more within the U.S. That's melcoleather.com, M-E-L-C-O leather.com
1: If you're at all curious about my guitar repair services or my custom guitars, you can check out my website's Ericdaw.com. That's for the repair side of things. That's E R I C D A W.com. I would love to help you with that tricky repair or restoration. You know, maybe you don't have somebody in your area, or maybe you've got a very valuable guitar that you don't want to trust to just anybody. And the guitars that I make are at pinupcustomguitars.com. That's pinup, like pinup girl. P I N U P. I offer worldwide service. Uh, On repairs, people send me repairs from all over the country and, uh, well, even internationally. And I definitely send guitars all over the world. So if you're curious about what I do and want to learn more, that's how to check it out. EricDaw.com and PinUpCustomGuitars.com.
2: Hey, Eric and Melissa. Sorry if you've covered this before. I'm doing my first refret on an early 80s Tokai Tele I have. I'm at the point where I'm ready to insert my new frets and I am looking for your advice. Do you recommend gluing the new frets in or just pressing or hammering the frets in without glue? Thanks, love the podcast, and the set of tele-pickups I just got from you are amazing. Hey, all right. Really have that vintage vibe, and the price was very reasonable. Hey. That's from Glenn in Green Bay, Wisconsin.
1: Thanks, Glenn. I'm, I'm glad you like those pickups. I'm really happy with the way my pickups sound. I gotta say, I don't want to brag, but... Come on. Toot, toot. Right? Uh, Glenn, uh, thanks for the question. I do use glue. This is a little bit controversial, Some luthiers claim that this is really a bad thing to do, so you do what you feel is right, but I do. I use glue. I like it. I use super glue. I use thick super glue. You know, super glue comes in different viscosities. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. It's true. Thin, medium, and thick. I use thick cyanoacrylate. It's not just, you know, super glue from the convenience store. It's high-end, you know, good super glue that I ordered from Stuart McDonald. Um, The reason I like to use glue in fret slots is the same reason I just was talking about uh, bridge saddles. I don't want anything moving, anything in the string path, right? I want things to be absolutely rock-solid so that nothing absorbs string energy and robs the string of of vibration. I want rock solid frets and nuts and saddles. So, um so yeah, I do. I use glue in there. You can use hide glue. I've I've tried that and that's it's a little more work because you have to work with the glue while it's hot and it's a little bit, you know, crazy to do that. Most guys, when they remove frets, they heat it up with a soldering iron, so that releases the glue and What I've found in my experience because I've refretted guitars that I had fretted years before um super glue does the same thing when you heat it up, the metal expands and and um breaks that bond bond you know so Uh, The complaint I've heard from other luthiers is don't use super glue because the next guy to go, it's a mean trick to play on the next guy. When he goes to pull those frets out, he's going to chip the fingerboard. Well, my point is not if he knows what he's doing, right? Hmm. If you know what you're doing, you can remove those frets that have been super glued in. You can remove them without chipping the fingerboard. Absolutely you can. So um, that's why I use it because... Uh, I find it to be, um, I find that you get a, a more well seated fret, a better um, a better bond, you know, rather than it just being held in with pressure, it's actually glued in. So that's my recommendation thick super glue and, the, and an arbor press. And if you're really feeling adventurous, you can use hot hide glue. Thanks, Glenn.
2: Hi, guys. Eric, when it comes to vintage Telly pickups, early ones had black string wrap, and then in the mid-50s, they switched to white string wrap. Mm -hmm. Was the early black string actually black, or was the wax black, and it turned the whole white string black, and then they switched to a clear wax? Do you know? It's not important, I guess, but I've always wondered. Thanks. That's from Carson.
1: I'm so glad somebody else thinks about the things that I think about, you know? This is, this is, no, this is a validation for me that I'm not insane. This is the kind of stuff I think about. Uh, yes, that's right. So the early, <clears throat> early Telecaster pickups had black string wrap. Mm-hmm. And then a few years later in the mid fifties, they switched to a white string wrap. They used white string the whole time. Mm-hmm. Those, the early pickups, they were dipped in black wax Really? Yes, the wax was black and the reason we know this is that um it ac- it would t- actually turn the first few inches of that uh, of the uh, cloth wire black as well.
2: Oh.
1: Not completely black, but not as black as the string. The string really absorbs that stuff. But um yeah, that's that's my understanding and that's I've Uh, I read that in um, the Blackguard book as well, Nacho Banyos, the Blackguard book. Weird. He researched just every little nitty-gritty Telecaster detail in that book. And that is his and my understanding. They used white string, they dipped it in black wax, and that's why you end up with black string. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, and then they went to a clear wax. Yeah. Cool, huh?
2: Hi, Eric. Really enjoy the podcast, and I am just two episodes shy of having listened to them all. Thanks for all the great work and effort you put into them. My question is regarding acoustic neck resets. I recently contacted a loath local luthier about possibly having a neck reset done on my 2000 2001 martin triple aught 15s i was advised by this luthier that no one would be willing to do a neck reset and that the only option would be to have the bridge shaved i was curious if this was considered a legitimate method or a hack repair i leaned towards hack repair since if the problem appeared again this guitar would require both a new bridge and a neck reset i am curious what your thoughts are if you use this in the podcast, please keep my name anonymous lest the luthier in question happens to listen to the <laughs> podcast. Thank you for your time. I'm not going to say who it's from. Yeah.
1: It's Bill. No, I'm <laughs> it's just kidding. Not Bill. Uh I I Either this is like déjà vu here. I think we've had this question before. I remember this question. I think somehow I think I messed up somehow in the emails and got this
2: I don't uh, remember this question. question
1: for, I think we've done this before.
2: We, we maybe had a similar question, but we've never had this exact question. I think
1: question. we had this exact question. Anyhow, well,
2: you should just answer it.
1: I will, absolutely. So, um, yeah, that would be a hack repair. Uh, it it it's not a big deal to reset a, a Martin neck. Um, well, I mean, it is, but for someone who has experience resetting necks, uh, absolutely that could be done. Now, it's going to be a lot more expensive than what your luthier is talking about. It's going to be, you know, several hundred dollars. I mean, maybe three, maybe four hundred dollars. Uh, depending on what... I don't know whether that particular model is, uh, you know, a dovetail neck joint. Or Martin, Martin has been flirting with... Uh, they've done, on some of their low-end models, they've been doing bolt-on and co- combination of, you know, bolts and glue with a, a tenon mm-hmm. instead of a dovetail. So, depending on which neck joint that is, uh, that will affect the price. But absolutely, that can be reset. You bet. Mm. Um. Yeah, and if you sand down the bridge, I mean, that will... Get the action where you want it to be, but the geometry is still off, and uh, it's not something I would really recommend doing on a nice guitar. And a Martin is certainly a nice guitar. So, thank you... Oh, I almost said his name. Anonymous. Thank you, Anonymous.
2: (laughs) Hi, Eric and Mel. This is Miles from Arlington, Virginia here. When you're using an amp without built-in reverb or tremolo, do you use a pedal? If so, which do you use? Thanks for the great podcast.
1: Well, I used to. Uh, I used to have a, uh, well, I guess it's not a pedal. It's certainly an effect. I used to have an Echoplex. I mean, a, you know, the a real mm-hmm. Echoplex mm-hmm. with tape in it. And, because uh, I, I love delay. And uh, so I used to use that, um, but I would only, it's such a, it's, It's kind of a finicky unit, and uh, it's valuable, so I would only bring it to gigs where I was making $100 or more. That was my... Do you remember that? Yes. I called it the magic box. Yeah. Melissa used to come with me to gigs, and it was her job to carry the magic box. And... uh, I
2: I was also underage, and so I would have to be carrying gear in order to get into the bars. We
1: don't want (laughs) to... We don't want to go into that, but... uh, Yeah, it's true. Uh, but, uh, that's what I, that's what I've used in the past. I love a good Echoplex, a good delay. I do have a, uh, also a looper pedal, but, um, yeah, delay. I don't have a tremolo pedal. I do love, see, here's the other thing. Any amp that I have that I would take to a gig, right? Mm -hmm. Which I don't have any currently uh but any amp that i have in my arsenal that i would take to a gig has reverb and tremolo so i don't really have to worry about it and that's really the only effects that i would ever use um, i'm just a straight into the amp kind of guy mm-hmm. the cool thing about the echoplex was it it had a built-in kind of preamp that sounded pretty good you know mm-hmm. i like i liked the way that box sounded plus it's not i mean it's not a digital effect or anything it's tape Is tape going around in a loop? I mean, it sounded so good. It's, I I loved that Echoplex, but I sold it. I used to use it when I played a lot of gigs. When I lived in Seattle and I was gigging a lot, um, that was so much fun to take an Echoplex to a, like a packed blues club and get, you know, plug my telly into a Echoplex, into a Vibrolux, get monstrous tone. And drink a nice uh, Manhattan. Those were good times. Those were good times. I was playing a lot back then. I probably played, I think my busiest year, I think I played 100 gigs in one year.
2: That's one every like three nights.
1: Yeah, it was a lot. It's pretty good. It was fun. And now I play zero gigs. But that's okay.
2: I don't think anybody plays any gigs right now.
1: Not right now. There's no gigs in America. No gigs. There's, uh, everything's closed.
2: Yep. Hi, Eric and Melissa. Eric, I know you really aren't an effect pedal guy, but what if you were forced to use one pedal? What effect pedal would you use? Don't cheat and say a tuner. (laughs) Something that actually has an effect on the sound. Thanks for the podcast. That's from Jake in Tennessee.
1: We should have read both of those questions before I answered that. Those Mm -hmm. are related questions, I Mm -hmm. would say. I think I just answered that.
2: No, you if, did not. If you had, if somebody had a gun to your head and said, "You need to pick an effect pedal,"
1: what are you going to choose? Oh well, doesn't the uh, Echo Plex count?
2: No, that's not a pedal.
1: Well, it's an effect. He said, "Don't cheat and say a tuner. Something that actually has an effect on sound."
2: Yeah, but it says, "What effect pedal All would you right. use?" Pedal? I'd
1: use a rat. I'd use a. I'd use a. <laughs> <laughs> use a. A DOD grunge pedal. No, I would not use any of those. No distortion pedals. I'd use a delay pedal. I like Ibanez made in the nineties or maybe eighties. I think it was the eighties. They made a great old delay, and I had one in the eighties. Now that I think about it, I remember this pink. It's called an analog delay. I think it was the it was the nine series. So it wasn't a TS nine. That's a tube screamer. It was like a DL nine or something like that. Uh, analog delay. 89 analog delay. Beautiful coral pink, hot pink thing with a giant chrome button. Good sound. Um, but, you know, when I was a kid. Let me. Hold on. Let me show you something. Uh oh. I just happen to have a guitar here.
2: Oh, and that's weird. We don't have any of those around yeah. the house. Oh. Oh, don't put a hole in it. Well,
1: that's okay. I'm a repair guy. So, uh, when I was a kid, you know. Uh, I didn't have pedals and I thought in fact I didn't even I wasn't even sure what pedals did or what they uh I didn't have money for that kind of stuff anyway and I'd listen to records with echo on it and I figured that it was like a like a studio effect. I didn't know you could buy a pedal and have have delay, have echo and, until much later. Um so I I learned how to play my own version of delay. Just by strumming, right? So, like, I used to listen to Pink Floyd, right? And you'd you'd hear uh, what what song is that? The uh, well, I don't know from the Wall, but they go like this, right? So I would I would <laughs> listen to the record, and I would I would imitate the delay. So this is just this is just me imitating the delay live on an acoustic guitar. Doesn't that sound a little bit like delay?
2: Yeah, it sounds great.
1: So on the, I mean, without the pedal or without the effect, it's, he would just be doing this. But you do, you do fake delay, right? And you like, "I'll do it. I'll do it slow." So if you move the pick slowly, it's like this. when I was a kid I didn't have that kind of stuff and I thought you know I would practice I'd practice trying to get that effect just with a pick anyway so you can it can be done it can things can be done without pedals is my point anyhow thanks thanks for the question uh, Jake Jake <laughs>
2: Hi Eric, what do you think the current global pandemic is going to do to vintage guitar prices? Any guess? Thanks for the show, Carrie. Tell you what it's going to do for vintage toilet paper prices.
1: Well, thanks for taking the air out of the podcast, Carrie. (laughs) I, I don't know. I mean, it can't be good.
2: Can I tell you my opinion? Yeah. It depends on how long this lasts. If we're out of this in a a few weeks, stuff will come back pretty quickly. And if it takes a lot longer than that, it's going to take a long time for stuff to recover. And vintage guitars may never recover.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm not an epidemiologist, nor am I an economist. So I'm just, I'm not going to answer this question because I don't know. I don't even know what. This pandemic is going to do to egg or milk or gas prices, let right. alone vintage guitars. My guess is, after a while, we'll be back to normal. I mean, any time there's any kind of an economic downturn, guitars go with it. You know, right? Um, whether it's a .dot com bubble or a housing market bubble or a, you know, this whatever you want to call this current mess. Anyhow, th- th- uh, thanks for the question, Carrie. <laughs> It's Very positive.
2: It's not- hi, hi. This is Will from Memphis. I saw an Instagram story recently about someone who has one of your guitars, and they were using flat wounds. Mm-hmm. Do you recommend flat wound strings over round wound? Can you describe the sound or feel? What brand of strings do you usually use? Thanks. That's from Will.
1: Um, I. Uh, I like flat wounds and I use them on several of my own personal guitars. I don't know if I'd say I recommend them. If you want to try them, I'd say give them a chance. But most players don't like them. I mean, that's just a fact that I've encountered. Me, I do like them. I think they sound good, and they feel nice. They're, um, they have a little different tone. They're, they have a little, to, to my ear, they have a little more direct tone. I don't know how else to describe it, uh, and they have, it just, they just, the note blooms differently. I don't know how to describe it. You'd, you'd almost, uh, I mean, you just have to experience it, really, but, uh, you know, buy a, buy a pack. It'll be 12 or 13 bucks for a set of flat wounds, but buy a pack, try them out. I use Dioderio chromes. And uh, my go-to is the 11s, but I, I use a a plain third. I throw away that wound third, and I use a plain third, whatever it is, like a 18 or 19 or something like that, plain. Um, so that's what I use, and that's what I like. I wouldn't say that I necessarily recommend it, but I would recommend trying it because it's kind of a, I don't know, they sound, I, I just like the way they sound, and I like the way they feel.
2: Cool. Thanks, Will. Hi, Eric. With all the quarantine downtime, will you do a shop tour on your Instagram? I'd love to see the inner workings of the secret Eric Da Repair Shop. <laughs> Thanks for all you do. That's from Juan.
1: Thanks, Juan. Uh, I had one up, and I, I took it down, I think, a month ago or so. I don't know why. I just I looked at it and thought, this is dumb, and I deleted it. <laughs> But uh, I'll do that. Maybe I'll I'll try to do that this week. So I'll yeah. I'll walk around my repair shop and and give you an Instagram tour. I'll, what I'll do is I'll post it in my stories and then I'll pin it permanently to the to my Instagram homepage. However, whatever that's called, highlights. It'll be in my highlights. I'll try to do that this week. Thanks, Juan, and that does it for this episode of the Fret Files mm-hmm. podcast. Thanks so much for listening and thanks for participating. Keep those questions coming in. You can call 757-774-8482 or you can text that number 757-774-8482. The other way to do it is to go to my website, ericdaw.com, E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and send in your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you next time.
2: Good night.